Hello and welcome to the Jackcast, the Swansea City podcast. I am Gitto Thewilin and with me, as always, is Steve Carroll. How are you, Steve? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. We've got a lot of games to look back on because, apologies, we haven't been recording pods. And um, I don't think it's a coincidence that since we uh, last recorded a pod, the Swans haven't been able to win a game. You know, that when we disappear, so do the wins, apparently. But that does mean we've got a lot of frustrating games to look back on, starting with Bristol City, then the defeat away at Preston and two draws against sorry, against Wigan and Birmingham. Um, we'll also be discussing the uh, away game at Huddersfield, which will be our last game for four weeks as Wales go off to the World Cup. So we'll, we will, of course, discuss the Wales squad, which was announced today as well. So quite a bit to discuss. We will start off, Steve, by going all the way back to Bristol City. This feels like such a long time ago, but if you cast your mind back, we went into this match on a real high, having won the South Wales derby very comprehensively. Um, Went away to Bristol City with a a massive travelling support, 12 o'clock kickoff. Quite confident. How how do you look back at this game? One all it finished. Uh, another game where the Swans conceded first, but came back in the second half. Um, yeah, what what are your memories of of that day? Um, I didn't think we played particularly well, and I was quite happy that we managed to come away with something. I mean, there were quite a few unforced errors I felt in the first half. I mean, players giving it away now. Uh, I can't remember exactly who was to blame for the for the goal. For example, I remember. I think Wood and Cabango had moments where they were yeah. sloppy passes. It just felt like we were under par, really, and we were carrying quite a few players, and you can't really do that, can you, and expect to get a result. I mean, I, I didn't think Bristol City were a great side, but what I did think about them was that um, every time when we were giving the ball away, saying around by the halfway line or something like that, they weren't really messing around with it then. They were trying to play maybe a couple of passes and trying to get it on goal. I thought Bender made a couple of big saves for us, really, and kept us in the game in the first half. And, um, you know, I think the one thing I will give Martin credit for is that he did make good substitutions. He did go for it. You know, Orko Flex came on at wide, for example, didn't he? And Cham came on, and he obviously proved to be the difference. Um, and even though I didn't think we played amazing uh, after that, we, we were getting more chances, and obviously a bit of moments of brilliance uh, got us a goal, and then we came away with something really, didn't it? But it, it certainly wasn't one of our best performances, was it? No, definitely not. I think the draw was, um, I think everybody would agree, the draw was the fair result. Um, Bristol City didn't deserve to lose the game and we didn't deserve to win the game. Um, I, we had a lot of possession, played some played some nice build-up stuff. But again, it. I think this is the, this is the game where we saw the error count take quite a substantial jump, really. And that first half, uh, was made more difficult by the fact that we kept giving it away in our own half. And like you said, Bristol City, the one thing we know about them, they're going to commit men forward. They're going to work hard up front. And when we did lose the game, when we did lose the ball, they always looked dangerous because they always had three men in attack at least. And um, it wasn't a surprise when they took the lead because we'd been skating on thin ice before that. Like you said, Second half, we got the equaliser. We didn't really create that much other than the equaliser. I can't remember their keeper making many saves. It was, um, yeah, it, it, it was one of those games where you're thinking, yeah, we, we, we got away with it maybe because we, we, were, we weren't at our best. wouldn't say we were, we were terrible, but just didn't hit the heights of previous weeks. 
uh, relied on a moment of magic from Encham, and I, I was I was pretty content with the draw leaving um, Ashton Gate. I'll be honest. Um, just one of those days where it didn't quite didn't quite click, and um, I think it's going to be a, a theme really for the for the other games that we discuss because we went away then to Preston. Um, who have one of the best defensive records in the championship. Uh, so the one thing you can't do against them is fall behind because you know they can uh, defend. But that's exactly what we did, Steve. And it, again, came from, this is going to sound like a broken record, it came from a mistake. Yeah, the, it's getting very frustrating. I'm sure we'll go on to it with the other games as well. But um, we, it doesn't feel like as if the opposition are ever scoring particularly good goals against us, where you sort of hold your hands up and go, well, that was a good ball into the box and had a great header or a quality finish from somebody, anything like that. It just feels like we're gifting goals regularly and you're never going to be successful if you're doing that. And I mean, Darling, I think he, he probably should, put a, should, uh, should have put his foot through it a bit more and it's a scuff and we've paid the price for it, haven't we? And Preston, very, very good defensive team. Um, obviously, uh, Mike Marsh, the assistant there, um, Steve Cooper's assistant, probably uh, a little bit more than a coincidence that they were good defensively. And we found it difficult then, didn't we? I mean, we had a lot of the ball in um, in the second half, didn't we? We um, Ocoflex came on and, and looked decent. Um, there was a couple of instances where the ball got played in between a full-back and a centre-back and we managed to get in. But in general, we just didn't really hurt them that much, did we? I think that's what frustrated me. I mean, there was the big chance at the end for Ryan Manning, but they had as many shots as us. You're mm. thinking, well, come on, for the amount of possession that we've had, it's not really good enough. You have to be testing the opposition far more than we are. and It just feels like when teams do sit deep in us, we, are, we do find it tough. But, you know, I mean, they, they probably didn't feel in too much danger apart from that chance right at the end, really. And that's frustrating considering how uh, deep they were sat, isn't it? Yeah, Preston was miserable. I mean, the first half, we were very poor. Really, really poor. Defensively, just kept giving the ball away. I remember Cabango had had a real shocker of the first half, really. Just kept on giving the ball away needlessly. Obviously, Harry Darling majorly at fault for, for the goal. The, the goals leading to error count on, in, on his part is becoming quite alarming, I'll be honest. It's um, it, it's becoming an issue. Um but, you know, Preston had other chances in the first half. We did absolutely nothing. I thought the decision to play Piru and Cham together in that game um, was a bad one just because they, they sapped all the energy of the game. And, and we do rely on energy and it just did not click at all. The midfield couldn't get going. Um, obviously, lack of wing-backs didn't help us, but we, we created nothing in that first half. Um, and... It, it picked up in the second half. In fairness, they, they, we we played much better. We um, we passed the ball around with a bit more purpose. Uh, Preston obviously sat deeper and just tried to protect the lead, and they did it very very well. But um, the damage was done in the first half, really, and it was a bit of a lesson because in other games we've been able to concede first and come back and get the win. Obviously, on this occasion we we couldn't um, because Preston were so much better defensively. And it it is just a, a lesson, I guess. You know, that if you can just keep clean sheets, then you've got a minimum of a point. And that's the one thing we're not doing this season. We've had four clean sheets all season. Only Hull City have fewer. Um, it's it, you know th- this is this is quite different even to last season. I mean, last season we were shipping goals. 
but we were keeping the odd clean sheet. You know, we we were we were losing more games by by big margins, but we were able to keep a clean sheet every now and again. And and recently, it just feels like, wow, oh, such hard work. I think in recent memory, the only games where we've been able to keep a clean sheet are against ten man Cardiff, and against a Hull team who were by far the worst team we've played this season. Um, so. It's it's not particularly encouraging, and and the Preston game was um, another disappointing one. And I, and I have to admit that the next game we're going to be discussing, the home game against Wigan uh, over the weekend, it was another disappointing performance. And that, I mean, there's two ways to look at this. Steve. Do you either give the Swans credit for coming from behind? Um, I mean, coming from behind from two goals down to get a draw is no mean feat against anybody, and that. that do we applaud the character uh, and the quality to do that? Or do we bemoan the fact that they allowed themselves to be two goals down in the first place? It's a bit of both, isn't it? But it, it's becoming a running theme. To be fair, we are quite good at coming back in these situations. We, we must have gained more points than anyone else from losing positions. So it does show you that if you go a goal behind, that you know you, you don't need to panic too much in the sense of, um, you know, you do believe we can uh, we can come back. But... It's happening too often, isn't it? And again, it just felt like, you know, it's two very similar goals, isn't it? They're, they're both from corners, which is frustrating. We have been better in general at, at defending set pieces this year, but that was disappointing. And I mean, I think what, what is very annoying is obviously we've, we, we did we'd have two, you know, below par performances before it. You're playing a team at home um, who are on a very bad run, five losses in a row. And you're thinking, well, this has got to be a, a great chance of a win year. And, We've just, you know, made things difficult for ourselves again, and we we have done well to to come back. And I thought, given that we didn't play particularly well, was happy just to come away with the draw. But I mean, before the game, I most certainly would not have taken that, and that's what's frustrating. And this can be an unpredictable division. You've got to be, you know, wary about um, these things. And there, there are no easy games, all the cliches, all this type of thing. But I mean, we're just. It does feel at the moment as if we're our own worst enemies. And that's the problem as opposed to anything else. We're, we're shooting ourselves in the foot all the time. And, you know, it's frustrating. We've got to learn because if we don't, I mean, we're never really going to progress. And that's what's so frustrating because I think there is a lot of ability with this team. But they are just far too easy to score against, aren't they? Yeah, and in this game in particular, I thought the team selection and the tactics by Martin um, was all wrong. Uh, quite frankly, I mean, to go four at the back, when we cannot defend, um, was asking for trouble. I think we took. I think we took Wigan for granted. I don't think we showed them enough respect. Um, no matter if they, if they were on a four or five game losing streak, you know you do have to treat your opposition with a certain degree of respect at this level. And I don't think we did that. We plowed, We chucked attacking players on. Um, chose this as a game to experiment, even though we didn't have Grimes in midfield to to control things. And in that first half, I mean, every time Wigan got on the ball, we looked stretched at the back. Nobody seemed to know what they, what their role was meant to be, where they were meant to be um, uh, standing. Um, and and going forward, you know, it, obviously, I think it would have been a different game had we not conceded first, but we always concede first. Um, I, 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 I thought we were pretty blunt for the most part. Um, in the first half, at least. I mean, Ryan Manning's goal came at a, a real vital point in the game because I think if we'd gone in at the break 2-0 down, the crowd could have turned nasty because it wasn't good enough. Um, we'd made life far too easy for Wigan. 
um, and, and the substitutions. I, I really actually criticise Martin for his substitutions because, by and large, I think I, I can understand where he's coming from with more, with more substitutions. I don't think he's a manager that uh, that routinely makes inexplicable substitutions. But some of the subs that we saw in that game, I mean, taking off Ockel Flex at halftime when we needed a goal, uh, and he'd been very, very bright in that first half when the few players who had been bright I just did not understand it. I definitely didn't understand the decision to take off Oberfemi, um, but leave um, Piru on when I thought Piru was contributing next to nothing. And Oberfemi actually looked bright and looked like he was going to cause problems. Um, I, I, I just didn't. The, the change of formation um, seemed like it wasn't really wholehearted um, and, and committal. I, I, it, it was just a day when Martin's decisions were perplexing, confusing, didn't really understand what he was trying to do. Um, and it, yeah, it, it was, um, I think the attitude was all wrong going into the match. The performance certainly didn't reach the desired standard. It was a match that we could have won. I mean, when you look at the chances, there were chances to score a third um, but I, I could, could I honestly say that we deserved that third that would have given us three points? Probably not. I, I didn't think we played well enough. There was still way too many mistakes. It was way too disjointed, and I, I, I just didn't enjoy it. It was a, it was a tough watch, I would say. Yeah, it was. Um, it was a difficult watch. Now, I think really, I just felt relieved when we got that penalty because I just thought, right, well. This is going to be now the one chance that we probably have got to salvage something here. And, you know, I was a bit wary when I thought Fulton was going to take it, if I'm honest. But he, he did quite well, didn't he? Just to sort of take the pressure off Perot, who, as you said, some of those subs were were baffling. I mean, I think Perot is someone we, we need to properly discuss, I think. Maybe after um, we've, we've reviewed the, the Birmingham game that took place last night. But um, he did, he stuck the penalty away, which we really needed. I mean... Another thing I think we need to discuss is obviously we, we missed Matt Grimes badly, I thought, in that game. We we did seem rather shapeless in midfield and it, we missed him just showing for the ball and keeping things ticking over. But latter Baudier as captain, what were your thoughts on that? I mean, I'm in a WhatsApp group and I, I joke that he'll be captain now just because there's one or two people that, should we say, are not fans of his at all. I, I can't say I'm huge at him. I do find the persistence of him baffling. Like why he played the other day, I, I have no idea when there's other people who were better. But for him to be captain, I mean, I, I thought that was quite staggering, mainly because I just don't think he should be in our best eleven. I I was in KFC when the um, uh, when the team was announced, and I turned to my sister and I told her, if I was to give you eleven guesses who's captaining the team today after the players that I just named in the starting lineup. I'm not sure you would get it. <laughs> it was just like, it was such a bizarre choice. I think I get the impression that he is, you know, quite good personality around the squad and he's quite liked and, and Russell Martin speaks very highly of his professionalism. Um, but he was playing it right back slash right wing back, which is a weird position for a captain. Anyway, you, you rarely see a captain um, in those positions, um, but it does happen. But but Latibudia yeah, just doesn't strike you as I don't know that that your, your typical captain. I don't. It just surprised me. I, I would have thought that it would have gone to either Fulton or Cabango or maybe you would have given it to um, somebody like 
Piru um, to try and get him going again. Manning even, who's who's been very good this season. I, I, I was just very surprised that I went to Latibodia and I don't think it helped his performance. Um, I think he tried, but it, but he looked uncomfortable. And I, I first, I don't think Latibodia is as bad as, as as many people make out when he's playing right wing back. I, obviously, we'd all prefer it if somebody else was playing there. He clearly still looks... Um, well, it doesn't look like a natural in that position, but I I think by and large he, he's he's about passable by now in that in that position. Um, but still, the decision to give him the armband, I just yeah, I found it weird. I, I'll be honest, and I don't know. It was it was one of those games after failing to win any of the previous two. Uh, just felt a bit deflating. It was the last home game before the World Cup. We're not going to be back at the Liberty for a long time now. And just to go off on that note, it, uh, against a, a bad team in Wigan, let's face it, they were bad. Um, can't say they were significantly worse than us, but th- but they were not a great team by any means. And you can see why they were on such a losing run. And um, I just felt like it was a wasted opportunity. And a day of frustration more than anything else. Yeah, that's how I felt about it, really. I think, you know, as you say, it's a while until the next home game, and it's it is very frustrating, um, you know, to really end on on that note. It's a, a tough spell for us, really, with four away games in five. A couple of them are, you know, a long way away as well, so we won't be taking huge numbers to a lot of them. And yeah, frustrating to to end on. Um, on that note, really, for for the next few weeks, but I mean, look, it, it is what it is, isn't it? Unfortunately, but as I said, I think I was a little bit relieved to just to come away with something because I, I really didn't think we were at our best, and you know, we have to look at it as a point gained, even if before a ball was kicked, I would not have uh, viewed it as a point gained. Yeah, I'd, I'd go as far as saying it was one of our worst performances of the season, if I'm being honest, and we we got away with it because we were playing against a dire Wigan team, but. That level of performance against most teams isn't going to get you anything. Um, let's move on to Birmingham because I think it's fair to say there was um, a, a, a significant, I would go as far as to say, um, improvement in performances against Birmingham. But the first 20 minutes of that game, I can't say I, I thought that way. I mean, what is it with the Swans and slow starts? Yeah, it's it's becoming a theme, isn't it? As we've... Um... As we've already said, really, so frustrating. And I've got to be honest, the two goals I thought we conceded in this game were quite possibly two of the worst of the season. I mean, you're looking at the first one, the cross has come in. Um, Hogan has found himself completely unmarked when we've got three centre-halves, most of them just standing there. They should have dealt with it. And the goalkeeper didn't look very good either. I think Stephen Bender's done very well uh, since he's come into the team. That's probably the first time I'm pointing a finger at him and saying that I didn't think he looked great for a goal. But as I said, if the defenders maybe have dealt with it, he, we may have got away with his mistake. But it was just so soft again, wasn't it? And it sort of summed up our sluggish start, didn't it? But I mean, it is just so annoying with these soft goals now, isn't it? I mean, we're doing it every week, aren't we? And it's seven times in the last nine games now that we've conceded first. That's, um, I mean, that, that's, that, that's very poor. You can't give. You can't keep giving yourself mountains to climb. You know, we we do, we are throwing obstacles in our way, and it goes. 
it, it says a lot that I actually disagree with you there say, when you say that they were two of the worst goals that we've conceded this season because I think we've conceded the quality of goals that we are conceding is so bad that I think there are many more that have been worse than that, that have been even more basic and avoidable than the goals we conceded against Birmingham. I mean, the first one in particular, I, I just, you look at it and there are the, the, the ease with, with which they open up the space for the cross is um, is concerning. But then, I mean, you look at Scott Hogan in the middle and the ease with which he shrugs off two defenders. I mean, you've got, I think, Darling and I, I think it was Wood who was there as well, both of them at the front post. And they both kind of don't really know what to do with Hogan. And they, they, it's just no communication. There's no understanding of what, what each one is meant to be doing. They're just basically marking space. Well, meanwhile, Hogan just kind of drifts off the back of them and suddenly he's in acres of space six yards out and it's it's an easy goal for him. It's such a weak goal to concede. It's it's just this lack of focus which has characterised our defensive approach for most of the season, but certainly in the last few weeks and, and months. It's been basic, very basic, just lack of concentration, lack of focus, switching off. And and giving the giving the opposition an easy ride. Um, I mean, I do think that goal kind of kicked us into gear. Um, it shouldn't take a goal for that to happen. But suddenly, our passing was much much snap, uh, snappier. It was more accurate. Um, we grew into the game as an attacking force. And then, I'll, I'll be honest, Steve, the the first goal. Okay, I don't think it was a, a free kick on halfway. I thought that was pretty soft. Um, but once the free kick's given, we we did very well with it, and it was just what we needed. Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, Manning could have scored, couldn't he? But then, to be fair to Unchan, he couldn't really couldn't have hit that ball any better. I mean, it didn't seem like there was much of a gap for him to score, and he's hit a, a sweet curling shot, doesn't he? That was very difficult for a goalkeeper to save. And um, you know, I think Unchan recently has has done better, hasn't he? He's he is infuriatingly inconsistent at times. I mean, you look at, at Bristol City, obviously he scored a great goal. He's, he's done the same thing there now as well. So, you know, if we could find that on Cham all the time, I mean, the type of player we could build a team around. I mean, he's got so much talent, but it's just That's, that. Go on. I, I just think he's... I, I think he is quite possibly the most inconsistent player I've ever seen at the Swans. And that says a lot. I mean, we've had... The likes of, you know, Jefferson Montero was obviously, you know, massively inconsistent. We had the likes of Leroy Fest, it comes to mind. He was massively inconsistent. Um, throughout the years, we've, we've had players who were capable of, of being brilliant, but who just, you know, a lot of the time just left you pulling your hair out. I think Encham possibly takes the kick. When he is at his best... He must be among the best in the division of what he does. I mean, he's such a classy operator. He's he, he's a wonderful passer. He's got this brilliant close control. He's got these physical attributes, and he can score a goal from anywhere. And you're thinking, if that player who played against Birmingham turned up every week, my God, we'd be dangerous. I mean, he would. He, he's just a joy to watch when he plays like that. But that just increases the frustration the rest of the time when he's on. And you never know when he's going to be, which which Encham is going to turn up. You never know if you're going to get the Rolls-Royce um, or, or the or the clapped-out banger. You know, it's there. there is nothing to tell you. No clues before any game. There's no 
rhythm or rule to anything he does. He just turns up and he's either very, very good or very, very bad. And the, the in-between is, um, those moments are few and far between. It, it is one one extreme or the other. Um, and I've I, I got to give it to him against Birmingham. I thought he was fantastic. The one thing I will say about Cham is whether he is fantastic or awful, he does have the ability to to score out of nothing. And that, I think, is why he keeps get, um, getting picked by Martin and keeps getting on the pitch. Because I, I haven't actually... I, he's got a lot of praise over recent weeks. I don't think he's always deserved that praise. I think there have been some games where he's been quite bad um, and yet, uh, you know, has, has managed to have an impact on the match. Um, but... Well, a good example would be the Blackpool away game. Oh, he came on, and I thought he was absolutely horrendous. Chronic. But then, to be fair, for the goal, he did sprint like his life depended on it and obviously came up with it. But his performance in that game was not good, and no yeah. one can fool me into thinking that it was. No. Uh, but but we saw against Birmingham what he can do. And um, you know, even ignoring the goal, I thought he was really good. Really, really good. Um, and and a big reason why why our general performance was was better against Birmingham. But it is it is a mad one, and and I don't. I, we keep saying, oh, if we could see this and Cham on a more regular basis, then then what a player we'd have. But um, yeah, I I don't know if we ever will. I feel always be that player who is capable of being spectacular, but also capable of stinking up the joint. It's it, yeah, it's, I'm I'm with you. If I'm honest, that's the frustrating thing, and I do wonder if the best thing that could happen. Could be that Uncham has a storming World Cup with Cameroon, and someone then comes in and gives us a few million. We can maybe use that on someone that's a bit more inconsistent. I don't really want to think along those lines, but you know, because um, you do wonder if he's ever going to be as uh, the player that he can be on a consistent basis. Yeah, it's, it, and you can with those types of players, you can keep holding on to hope forever. I mean, how many times did Jefferson Montero? put in a world-class display, ruin some right-back's career. And we thought, oh my gosh, this is the Jefferson Momentary we want, to, we want to see. Can we keep him fit? And then, you know... Well, the moment got... the clocks went back, that was it. Wouldn't see Montero <laughs> until April. Is uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and then suddenly you you wouldn't see him until, uh, until the temperatures rise again in the spring. But he's... Um, you know, and Cham, in fairness, is, is more back and forth instead of uh, Montero, who was just, let's face it, he was just very bad for, for long periods, slash injured, it has to be said as well. Um, and then he'd have a couple of amazing games and then he'd go back to the way he was. With uh, Enchantment, just from one game to the next, you just don't know what you're going to get. Um, and, and whether he's starting or coming off the bench, that doesn't seem to make as much difference because against Preston, he started and he was rotten, um, really, really bad. Against Birmingham, he started and he was absolutely brilliant. Um, just, just can't tell. And, and then against Bristol City, he came on, on as a sub and he was brilliant. And it, it's, yeah, you just can't tell what you're going to get from Encham. I do think his general level performance has increased this season, but we're still getting those inconsistencies. And um, but the one thing I'll say, I mean, I think he's our joint top scorer now, along with Piru, um, which you know shows the contribution he can have on this team. He's got those moments of quality. Um, speaking of moments of quality, I thought I thought the second goal was fantastic as well. I thought it was really well worked, crossing the middle, and, and Matt Grimes with a right-footed shot 
dipping into the into into the far corner. And I wrote the other day an article about Matt Grimes and how important he's become. But I just think he is a player who we haven't discussed enough over the years and who is now playing the best football of his career. And there are still some player, some fans out there who will hold this grudge, hold this vendetta against him and for some reason refuse to see what everybody else can see, refuse to acknowledge that he's a fantastic midfielder uh, at this level. Um, but uh, but surely, Steve, I mean, those people, they, they're getting rarer and rarer by now. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, um, yeah, I, I think in some ways the best thing that could, that could have happened to show our appreciation for him is that he didn't play against Wigan. And I mean, that sometimes is the best test, isn't it? If you if you criticise someone and you think they're not very good, then if they if they're taken out, then you sometimes see, don't you? And I mean, I think he did get taken out once or twice under Cooper, and I don't think the difference was like as big as it was on Saturday. I think it was was incredibly noticeable. And I mean, if Joe Allen had been fit, maybe we wouldn't have missed him so much. But obviously, he isn't at the moment, and you know, it was a big loss when they, I mean, I think the Grimes probably does get criticised a little bit for not offering much of a goal threat. And I think that's that probably is fair, considering if you look at, you know, certainly during the lockdown season, I mean, he scored a couple of goals that were stunners, really. And he doesn't really, you know, take a shot on very often. So it was nice to see him get on the score sheet last night. But um, look, he is he is essential for us, isn't he? And I think we saw that with the fact that he didn't play. And I mean, he's had a lot of moments so far this season, been pretty consistent. I mean, I, we did mention on the last podcast that, the assist for the Oberfemi goal. I mean, it was sublime, wasn't it? Um, against Cardiff and nobody else could probably play that at the club. So look, it's, he is a key player for us. It is nice to see him getting on the score sheet. It would be nice if he could, you know, get around five a season. Cause I think there's no reason why he, he shouldn't be chipping in a little bit more. And if he did, then it'd be very difficult to say he isn't offering everything really. Yeah. One thing he is adding much more this season. We've said this, I think before is assists. He's got five assists this season. Um, only a handful of players in the, uh, I think only five players in the entire championship have have more, and they've only got one more. So, you know, he's um, he's definitely contributing, and uh, I thought he was very good against Birmingham again. Um, what was your take on the second half? Because I thought we 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 played the second half of the first half very very well. Uh, managed to play around Birmingham's press. Um, they looked frustrated. They were chasing shadows for the most part. And that kind of continued into the second half, but I just felt like we were defensively always, we always looked like there was a a major error in us. Uh, Even though Birmingham didn't really create much by themselves in the second half, didn't really test Bend at all, um, I never felt entirely comfortable. And I always felt we were just one really bad mistake away from getting punished. And, and there were bad mistakes in our second half. There were times when we gave the ball away cheaply, but just didn't didn't get punished for it. But it, it felt like, again, we were skating on thin ice. And I just cannot understand this team's compulsion for giving the ball away in dangerous position and for just that carelessness at the back. I, I simply don't understand how it's so difficult for good footballers. Because Wood, Downing, uh, Darling, sorry, and... Um, um, and Cabango, they're all good with their feet. They are all cultured footballers. I don't understand how they just have these brain farts that play the team into trouble in this way. But we saw it time and time again in that second half. 
Yeah, we did really, didn't we? I mean, it was. I thought it was a poor second half in general. Not a lot really happened, did it? Um, and we were making mistakes. It did look as if we were going to get away with it, obviously. But in the end, we we didn't, and we gave away another soft goal. And it, it is frustrating. I mean, for possession team, I mean, we really should be able to keep the ball better. And in the situations like that, we should be able to see it out. I mean, that's that's what annoys me the most. You know, it it just feels as if something that should be our strength or we intend to be our strength. And then we're making too many unforced errors and it's it's hurt us again, isn't it? I mean, you, you look at that goal. I mean, why has Manning walked away from Dini? Absolute criminal to do it at that stage of a game. I mean, you could also argue, mind, that maybe Manning isn't the person that should be marking him. I think that's a fair discussion. I mean, when you look at centre-forwards, you usually want your centre-halves to pick them up. And I mean, we would have had three on the pitch at that stage. So for a wing back to be picking him up does seem like a strange choice as well, I would say. But look, it's it's not good enough ultimately. We should have seen that out. We've dropped seven points now from the 89th minute onwards. I think none for a while, of course, because nearly all of them were early in the season. But in fairness, yeah, you know it's it's costing us, isn't it? I mean, the the, the Millwall one will always be the worst because that that one really is unforgivable. You can't offer a single excuse for that. If you do, then it's just beyond. You I mean you'll never criticise anything, but. I mean, it's just frustrating, isn't it? Those type of things. Again, if someone scores a good goal against you, you hold your hands up and go, okay, it happens from time to time. But not marking a centre forward inside the box from a corner in the last minute, not buying that one. No excuse, not good enough. And in fairness, I mean, up until the last two games, our defending from set pieces, I think, has, has been quite decent and certainly much, much better than it was last season. It's one of the areas we where we have seen major improvements. But um, then, you know, the last the last two games, we've seen three goals conceded from corners. Were any of them that, you know, intricate, that, that difficult for the opposition to score? I would argue not. I think they're quite basic corners. The, the, the one against Birmingham is, is certainly a really bad mistake by, um, by our defenders. And it's just, yeah, I've, there's this horrible feeling of regression at the back. Um Whereas you know, our playing midfield and going forward is still pretty good. Uh, at the back, there's been quite a, a steep regression over the last few weeks. We've we, we've been conceding nonstop anyway, but it's um, but whereas before it felt like we were making one mistake a game and and, and getting punished for it, for example. Um, it, now the the mistakes are really racking up every single game. There are a lot of errors, lo- a lot of individual errors. By all centre backs, I you know you're not pinning particular blame on every, on any one player. I think Cabango, uh, Darling, Wood, they've all been giving the ball away far too cheaply. Norton was doing it as well when he was starting games. There is this trend there, and I don't know if it's down to confidence or whatever, but it's it's just mistakes. It's not it doesn't seem to be anything tactical. It's just mistakes. It's switching off. Um, not concentrating, losing focus. And there's two ways of looking at this, Steve. You can either say, well, you know, those are quite basic things to, to cut out. It's just a matter of switching on and making sure that you're focused. You don't have to overhaul the team or personnel or anything. You just have to make sure that you, you cut out those those really avoidable, unforced errors. But the other way of looking at it is that this has been a problem ever since Russell Martin walked through the door at the club. And and it hasn't really been addressed at any point. So what's to say that it's ever going to be addressed? And I'm 
moving more towards the second camp, really, um, thinking, you know, there there is something fundamentally wrong if, if a team is making this many individual errors. And even if they may look quite simple to to, um, to eradicate, I've not really seen anything to indicate that we're capable of eradicating them. I don't know if you've got an opinion on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to feel along the same lines. I mean, you... You always show a degree of patience, but at the same time, I mean, it does feel like we're not learning these lessons and they're going to continue to happen. And that's what's frustrating me, really, in the same way of Lata Baudier, for example, playing as, as a wing back all the time. And it's like, well, last season, I think I sort of accepted it because we were weak in those areas and didn't have other options. But now, I mean, he's been given Sorinola, not a player I'm particularly fussed on, for example, but he's got him. Yet Lata Baudier is still playing there. Finn Stevens is coming on low. He has another look in, and Lata Bodhi has been playing there. And you're thinking, do you just see him as a wing back? And I mean, he's not. Quite simply, he, he isn't. He's he's a backup centre half. Yet he keeps can, playing can every we, game. Can we talk about Sorin Oli? You brought him up there, but um, I can't say that I'm really getting him at the moment. Um, I, I I I'd love it for him to work out, and it may do in time. I mean, we've. Seen in the past, young players can take time to settle in and, and really establish themselves. But at this moment in time, I'm not seeing anywhere near enough from him to suggest that he's good enough for this level. Um, he is. I, I'm the same as you. I mean, he's remarkably slow. I, I can't believe how slow he is, um, considering the, the position he plays and, and, and this level. I, I'm amazed that he's getting away with it. Um, on the ball, I think he's quite quite conservative and I can't say he's particularly special defensively I'm not convinced at all I think he's basically come up with one or two good crosses every now and again which you know are are fine but other than that I'm not seeing him contribute anywhere near enough to this team and I'm not seeing why he's been brought on um, so regularly because it's he, he just doesn't seem to be up to the required standard at the moment I think we need far, far more from him to justify his his place. Well, I think we've actually dodged a little bit of a bullet, if I'm honest, because remember when we had um, Mitch on here and he was talking about um, how we wanted to do a permanent deal for him. And thank God that hasn't gone through. So it means we're not stuck with it because, you know, we wouldn't want that, would we? So like it's, I think it is concerning this some of these signings and that's one of them. And I mean, the wing-back areas, I mean, Manning's been great, to be fair. But there is no backup for him. I mean, you look when he was out injured a couple of weeks back, he was missed horrendously, really, wasn't he? And, you know, Sorinola just doesn't look up to it for me. Um, and I've, as I've said, Latabudia shouldn't be playing there. So, you know, these positions are going to continue to to hold us back, I think. And that's really frustrating because I think there are things that we're, we are good at. But, I mean, if I'm honest, I mean, do you like wing-backs as a formation? Because I don't... I, I never have been that fussed on it. I don't mind Wales playing it, but that's a little bit different, partly because obviously you can't sign players. And if you look, you've got Connor Roberts on one side, you've got Nico Williams on the other. Doesn't half make a big difference there. We don't have that. So I often think, are we better off playing like 4-3-3 and playing Marco Flex on one side and maybe Cooper on on the other? And you know, would that suit us a little bit better? Because it wouldn't surprise me if it would. Because then... After seeing after seeing four at the back against Wigan, I, I'm terrified. <laughs> I'm terrified of that idea. I de- that didn't work. Obviously, with time, that could work. Um, don't get me wrong. But I think 
wing backs in general, I'm all for it if you've got the the players suited to it. Like you said, with Wales, I think you've got two players in Nico Williams and, and Connor Roberts who were born to play the, the, those positions. Um, they're players who can defend, but they're, they're really, really good going forward. You know, and I think your, your wing backs need to probably be better going forward than they are defensively. You still want them tracking back and helping out, but you want them to be energetic. You want them to have that athleticism that allows them to sprint up and down the line for 90 minutes. Um, and you want them to have that kind of bravery to to take on players and to, to put crosses, good crosses into the box, to maybe get into the box themselves. Um, so many of the attributes I've just talk, uh, spoken about there are missing with uh, Latibaudier and Sorinola. Um, I, th- I, I think Manning is ideal for it. Manning is an outstanding um, wing-back. And I think we've seen this season what an outstanding wing-back can do for your team because he is key both defensively but mainly going forward. Um, Latibaudier, we've said it a million times before, he's not a, a wing-back. Um, and Sorinola probably is best suited to playing as a wing-back, but I just don't think he's really got the quality to do it at this level. Um, I think I, I'd probably say it's still our best formation just because it's the one that gives us the most width and, and we don't have width further up the pitch. Flex is really the only winger that we've got in the entire side. So um, I think the only way we're going to get width in the team is with wingbacks. But with the current wingbacks, uh, yeah, you, you can't pretend that, you know, that's an ideal solution. And if if we're looking ahead to January, for me, that, that's got to be the main the main focus is to get another, um, so well, some more options in at um, wing back because Latibaudier and Sorinola they both leave us limited in that position. They really do. Finn Stevens hasn't had a look in, so I take it we can write him off um, at this club. Um, Manning is our only effective wing back, but in this system, it's utterly essential, and we just don't have the personnel really to execute it to its full potential. Um, I, I have wondered a few times what if we had Cyrus Christie who was, I thought, very good as a wing-back last season um, you can maybe criticise a few aspects of d- the defensive cover, etc but if we had Cyrus Christie I think this team would have much better balance to it and I think we'd um, be much more of a force quite frankly um, so yeah, I, 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 I actually do like wing-backs I, I think if we had proper wing-backs in this team everything would function much, much better. It's just a shame that we don't have them at the moment. But I can't say that four at the back would suit us any better because we don't really have right backs either, you know, it, apart from Finn Stevens, who, like we said, doesn't get a look in. So I'm not convinced that's a better alternative, personally. That's fair. But um, I think it could work better. And I think in general, if you are, like... Too many teams with wing-backs have that much success. I've, I've never been that convinced of it. I mean, if you look in the history of the Premier Division, like uh, certainly in, since the Premier League started, for example, you only really think of one team that's won the league playing that way, and that's Chelsea under Chelsea. Antonio Conte in 2016-17. So, and obviously football has moved on, and everybody's played 4-4-2, and then you add 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1. But for me, the best Swansea teams have been 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1. And I think with this, it's not working as well. And I do think in general, certainly think whoever the next manager is, if this doesn't work out, I would prefer it if they were to play 
that way, really. And I think we can be more successful doing it. But, um, I mean, it, it does feel like Russell Martin has nailed his colours to the mass, really, isn't he, with the wing-backs? And um, I don't think he's going to change it, is he? And if you look across the Championship, I think most teams in the Championship these days do play with five at the back. Um, it's it's just the in-vogue formation. You know, this, this is what most teams are going for. And it has, you know, it, it does give you a lot in the sense that you can be, you know, you can be both defensively solid and have width going forward. Um, and, and you can, you know, you can keep two strikers on the pitch as well. Um, don't have to sacrifice that extra striker. So, and again, you can keep the extra man in midfield just because you've got the two, the two wing backs doing more of the work and more of the heavy lifting really. But um I think it's a formation. I think there's a reason why you say there that, you know, a lot most teams don't win the Premier League. And I think that's because in the Premier League, at least, it's um, a formation that suits teams outside the top six because they can have that extra defender there to frustrate the other side. Um, and, and you know, you've still got that extra attacker if, if you need to hit on the break. It's It's, yeah, whereas if you're... Manchester City, for example, you want that extra man in midfield because that's because you're going to back yourself to create your chances and to to dominate um, dominate the ball and you don't need to counter attack as much. So it's you know you're you're less you don't need the extra the extra defender as much and you can do with the extra man in midfield. So yeah, there, there's a reason why in inverted commas lesser. Teams with less quality, perhaps, um, go for it. I mean, let's face it: the first time we we really saw our team play with it was was when John Toshak introduced it for Wales, and the, he went five at the back, and it was very, very different to that stage. Not many teams went with five at the back, but the reason we went with five at the back was because we weren't a very good team, and we needed that extra man in um, uh, in in, in defence to try and keep um, the other team out. And we had a bit of speed in Gareth Bale, um, who could both defend and attack at the same time. Um, so it worked with, it, well, it worked in um, looser terms with with that quality on the wing and with the extra man in, in defence. But it, like any formation, I guess it depends on the players you've got. But I think I think it can work. I think I I, I love watching it when it does work. It's not working to its full potential at the moment, but I'm not convinced there is. I think that's got more to do with personnel and just a shortage of options, full stop. And I'm not convinced the four at the back would be better, especially with the defence leaking goals as it is at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's just like preferences, isn't it? Some people will prefer some some formations to others. And I mean, I've, like I said, I think wing-backs have never been my... They wouldn't be my go-to formation, should we say. But... Um, it's it is what it is, isn't it? But um, you know, we'll we're trying to make it work, aren't we? But it, I just feel like sometimes it doesn't help us, and we've got caught in some situations. I think sometimes because I'm not sure who's meant to be picking up who. And I think it's and I suppose the other thing is if the wing backs are out of position, then that sort of hurts us if they've gone too far forward. Whereas I think if you play with the other four, the other formations I've mentioned with like a four three three, you're less that is less likely to happen. But um. Like I said, Russell Martin isn't going to change. I don't think is he. He's, um, you know, he's very set on this formation and um, he's doing his best to try and make it work. Yeah, I mean, look at the Birmingham game as a whole. 
how do you view the results? Because for me, before the game, I would have taken a point uh, at St Andrews. It's a tough place to go. Birmingham have been in good form recently. I think we saw in in periods on on Tuesday night certainly that they are, um, you know, that they can be very tough to play against. Um, but you know, to to throw away the points late on like that is is obviously disappointing. But I can't say at the same time that the Swans fully deserved the win and. That's been the same for every game we've discussed tonight. I just don't think the Swans have done enough to to get the victory in these games. Yeah, I, I feel the same. You I mean I would have taken a point here and I'd have been targeted more Saturday for a win because of how much others feel are struggling. But at the same time, when you are winning with a couple of minutes left on the clock, you can't then view a draw as a good result either. So, look, it's it's frustrating, isn't it? Uh, it has to feel like two points dropped because of the circumstances of the game, even if we maybe on the balance of play didn't deserve to win. Yeah, I mean, that brings an end to uh, the roundup of recent games. It's not been that enjoyable. I mean, we three points from uh, from potential 12, um, three draws and one defeat. Probably not the return that we were looking for after going on a very good run before that. Um, we'll get on to discuss Huddersfield uh, oh, actually, before we go on to Huddersfield, we did say that we were going to discuss Joel Pirro, didn't we? And I think we do need to discuss him because, for me, Steve, he's playing an awful lot of football for a player who's not really contributing much. Yeah, I feel the same way as you. Um, it just feels a little bit like with Perot that the manager will play him regardless and, and won't sub him. I mean, I was looking at that Burnley game the other week where, you know, we struggled. We, we took a pace in, didn't we? Um, Joel Perot had not played very well. I know he ended up getting sent off, and this isn't the hindsight thing. But I did genuinely just think that it would have been a good time to take him off. Same with someone like Grimes, because you're thinking, we're out with this game. We're not getting anything. And Martin does seem to like rotating the same players. Like it's Cundell and Cooper and then Cham and Oberfemi, whereas Perot is always in. And why can't, in this situation, you can't take him off? And then, as you say, I mean, he's come straight back in after this red card. I didn't think he did a lot at Preston. Uh, the Wigan game, again, he's poor, I thought. And then he started again at Birmingham. And again, he's not done much there either. So I think that's what's frustrating me. I mean, you, if people are not playing well, regardless of how good you think they are, you need to try and take them out with the limelight because it just isn't working, is it? It's almost as if to say, well, Perot was great last year. So if I just keep him in, he'll... It'll turn at some point, and I, I'm not convinced it's going to at the moment. I mean, he is a shadow of what he was. I mean, I, I watched the game with my father last night, and I was thinking to myself, like, is he even on the picture? Because he was so anonymous again, and not really good enough. And especially when you think of, we do have Oberfemi waiting in the wings. I don't think he's been brilliant this season yet either. But at the same time, he should be playing above Perot at the moment. So I think that's what's frustrating. And if I said to you right now that Perot will start Saturday... I'd be amazed if he didn't. And that's what's really frustrating me because I don't think he should be playing at the moment. No. And I, I, like you said, I think there are games where he drifts through not having very little impact, uh, never really looking like scoring, and he's kept on at the expense of other players. And that's what that's what frustrates me. He's, it's as if he's been kept on in the blind hope that he's going to produce something. And at some point, you just have to say... No, it, it's not his day. Just, just take him off and give us a bit more of a chance of scoring. In fairness, I think if you look back at his performances last season when he was so fantastic, 
I, I think you could say back then that there were long periods in games where he had very little impact and that you, he would just um, be quite anonymous, but then he would produce something and he would just come up with this moment of, of brilliance. And uh, every time he did get on the ball, you think, okay, he's trying to do something with it. The, the, these days, he's he's still not getting much of the ball, but when he does get the ball, it it looks like hard work. It looks like he's not really got much of a plan for what he's going to be doing, and his, his decision making isn't there, and the the goal scoring on instinct certainly isn't there. I know we spoke pre season about you know the unlikelihood of of him being able to sustain the kind of scoring we saw last season, but it it is quite surprising how much of a drop off there has been in his scoring rate and just in his kind of threat and, and how likely he looks to score. I just don't think he looks like scoring most of the time, unless it's from the penalty spot. Yeah, this is the thing, isn't it? I mean, he was such a threat last year. I mean, he could score a goal out of nothing, but this year, I mean, he's missed a lot of big chances. That's what's the worrying thing. And I know, you know, the the worst thing would, would always be from my point of view is if you're not getting any chances, because then you're just thinking, well, where is the goal going to come from? But it does feel now a little bit like he isn't getting many chances at all. So it's, look, it is concerning, isn't it? You do wonder if maybe he's frustrated that he didn't get a move in the summer because I think we all thought he would probably not be up. And, and obviously that hasn't materialised. He, he remains very much a Swans player. And has he just not been the same since? And is he's frustrated? You, you don't know, do you? I mean, because if you're just, even if it's just a little bit off sometimes, that can make the difference, can't it? So, but I mean, Perot has to look at himself though and think, if I carry on the way I'm going, I'm not getting any move. So he needs to pick it up urgently, I would say. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a there's a big rescue of him just drifting into anonymity, really. But, but Martin keeps picking him and keeps the faith in that. I'm not sure if it's necessarily helping him in, in the current state, although... Um, obviously, you know, benching a player all the time probably doesn't help either. It's it's damned if you do and damned if you don't with Piro at the moment, but it is a difficult situation for the manager. Uh, let's move on now to discuss Wales before we go on to discuss Huddersfield, because for the first time since 1958, a Welsh manager has been able to name a World Cup squad. It's been long anticipated, even though uh, there weren't really too many surprises expected. Um, Steve, what what was your initial take on the squad that, that you've seen? Uh, no real surprises, but not necessarily decisions I agreed with. I mean, I look at Ollie Cooper. He's been a revelation for the Swans this season, played a lot of minutes. I really think he should have been in that squad. I mean, you know, I'm not going to... Ruben Caldwell at Cardiff has barely played. I'm not saying that I dislike him as a player at all. But he said he played about five hours of football all season, whereas Cooper's, you know, he's leading to double figures of starts and made a big impact. And I'm looking at Johnny Williams, a player I would have actually taken because I do think he can make a, a decent impact from the bench. But at the end of the day, Cooper is playing two divisions above him. And I just think that if it became down to a choice between those two, realistically, it should have been Cooper. So I am frustrated at that. I don't agree with it. I think it's been... A little bit overly sentimental. Chris Gunter, for example, been a tremendous servant for Wales. Um, somebody that has given so much, the record cap holder, obviously. But I mean, do we really want him coming on in the game at a World Cup? No, is the answer. So 
think it's been a little bit overly sentimental at times, but I mean, realistically, from Wales's point of view, the start in 11, most people would pick a very similar one. I would have thought there'd only be one or two changes, but obviously the interesting question for us is going to be Joe Allen, because to me, it doesn't sound like he's particularly fit. I get why they've decided to take him, but is he even going to play any minutes? I'm I'm really not convinced on that. And if he isn't, then it does seem pointless taking him as, as gutting as it would be if he if he did miss out. But um, you know, the fact is the Swans have been very coy about Joe Allen and they over the last two weeks, not really given much away. So it's very difficult to tell what the situation is with him. Yeah. Um I mean my point my point of view with the squad it's not surprising in any way I think you know we we, we expected um Paige to stick um faithfully to the team uh, to the squad he's he's picked throughout the uh th- throughout the qualifiers um you know he made it clear beforehand that that's what he would be doing when he was asked about the potential you know about the decision over players like Clinton Johnson who were playing in league 2 um, picking them over players who are playing regularly in the championship, and you know, I get the idea that you know there's a squad dynamic to protect, etc. But I do question, you know, how far does that go? Um, if if you want players there just to kind of lighten the mood and get people, you know, get the, the good personalities, then I don't know, take a comedian with you. You know, it's take Alice I, James. Take Alice James. I'm sure he'd love to go on the plane. <laughs> I'm sure he'd love to go there. And I'm sure the players would love his uh, comedy stylings as well. Um, I just don't... I, I, it, it's just weird to me that this showpiece event, you're taking somebody just to kind of keep you know, everybody happy in the group. I, I Yeah, it's it doesn't entirely sit, sit right with me. And I, this is more in reference to Gunter, I should say, than, than Johnny Williams, who I think is... A, a much better player than League Two level. I think he is probably a League One level player. Uh, and when he plays for Wales, he usually does a decent job. Uh, I think he deserves his place in the squad more than some of the others who have been there. I'm looking at you, Matt Smith, um, who I, I, I simply can't, I can't understand it. I know we're weak in midfield. I know it's a, a real, real weak spot. And Allen's injury maybe you know, means means Paige wants to take another central midfielder just in case. But I, I, I've just seen so little from Smith to justify that kind of pick, um, both at club level and and at international level. It, it, that's one that surprises me. Um, I mean, let, let's get on to um, Ollie Cooper, because this is one of the big names that people were talking about as a potential late inclusion. Um we know he's been playing fantastically for the Swans. He's made a real difference since he's come into the first team. Do you think he deserved his place in the um, in, in the squad? Because in fairness, he's only been playing championship football regularly for a couple of weeks now. Um, whereas there are others there who've been part and parcel of this Wales squad for a long time now. They know the setup. They know how Rob Page wants to play and he knows them very well. Do, do you think there was room for him in the squad and do you think he should have gone? Yes, I do, but mainly as well because also there's 26 places. It's not 23 like it used to be. So I mean, that means you, you, he really should have been in there. I mean, if it was 23, what what would Page have done? I am intrigued to know who would have missed out. Would he have still gone down the more sentimental route, or would he have 
you know, or would he have culled one or two of the other squad players instead or something? I, I don't know. But for me, Cooper should should have gone. I mean, he he is someone that I think if if he came on in the game could genuinely make some sort of an impact. So, you know, it's not a case of thinking, well, even if he went, I, I definitely wouldn't want him to play any games. I mean, I I think in the right circumstances, he could have been a decent option. So, but he, he should have gone, in in my opinion. I know you're never going to get everybody that agrees on who should and shouldn't go, but he should have gone. He should have been in that squad for me. I don't think anybody would argue that if this if this squad was decided purely on form and performances, I mean, I mean, Oli Cooper would have been on the plane. I don't think anybody will argue against that. Um, you know, there's no way that anybody could argue that that Johnny Williams has been picked over um, Oli Cooper for f- pure footballing reasons. Nobody would argue that. I don't think even Page would. Um, but again, you're back to that idea of, oh, do you keep the, the squad dynamic um, or, or do you go for your best players? And I think, you know, usually I'd say you go with whatever makes the, the entire unit function better. But it, there has to be a limit to that. Um and I and I do fear that it's a bit of a missed opportunity with Cooper. I'm not surprised in any way. He's not been picked for any squads beforehand. He has left it a little bit late, but on form, you know, he, he should be in that squad. I'm not convinced that even if he was picked, that 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 he would necessarily deserve to to feature in matches. I think when you look at the other players that are um, in that squad, the attacking midfielders and, uh, and, and just generally attacking players that are there, we're, we're actually spoiled for choice in that department. So I'm not sure if Cooper would have really been able to um, uh, get get a get a place there. I mean, Colwell is the one player that you could say he may be able to get in ahead of, but I actually think Colwell carries more of a goal scoring threat than Ollie Cooper, even though Cooper's. Um, you know, been finding the net um, recently. I think Colwell is a player who's shown that he can just score out of out of nothing, really, in a way that I'm not sure Cooper is quite as as good at. Um, I think Cooper's attributes are more kind of the drive he gives you, the the tireless running, the um, the the difficulty causes for for opposition defenders, etc. I think that's what that's what Cooper would have given you. But I think you've got players in the squad who give you that anyway. Um, the likes of Dan James, Brennan Johnson to a lesser extent, you know, um, um, and, and even, you know, looking deeper, you've got the likes of Harry Wilson, Aaron Ramsey. Um, so I'm not sure if he would have got games if he'd been selected. But I, I think I think you, you'd be hard-pressed to find a good argument for leaving him out if this was decided on form. Um, other than Ollie Cooper, who I think most Swansea fans would, would say deserves to go to Qatar, are there any other players you think are, are kind of glaring emissions and players who definitely should have been um, in, in that squad? Um, not hugely, I think. I think Ryan Hedges is a little bit unlucky. He's been doing well for um, for Blackburn, but you need know, to say, but there is a lot of talent in those attacking areas. That does make it tricky. I mean, um, you know, we looking at. I mean, I didn't think Rabi Matondo should go. I don't think he's. You know, he's not as good as some of the others. I mean, I have sympathy for Reese Norrington Davis, who's out injured. I mean, Tyler Roberts, I suppose I do have sympathy, but at the same time, when he's played for Wales, he's really frustrated me. I don't think he's good enough. So, in that sense, I don't think it's a huge loss, but obviously Mark Harris, I guess, is 
is the one that has, has benefited from that. He probably wouldn't have gone otherwise, I don't think. So, I mean, is, is there anyone else? I mean, I suppose David Brooks would have gone, wouldn't he? But he's yeah. been recovering from illness. Um, I mean, he is going anyway, isn't he? They have said that. So, yeah. I mean, I think they are going to... I did see is Jordan James, the Birmingham player. I think they're going to take him for part of the experience. So, it does seem like they're trying to look maybe to the future with one or two of them and stuff like that. But, I mean, I think Ollie Cooper is the main one, really, from my point of view, that should feel um, hard done by based on how good he's been so far this season. But, I mean, like I said, the, the only other ones are the, the the ones that are missing out for either illness or injury, really. Yeah, I mean, the, the other one that I, I, again, I'm not in any way surprised because he hasn't been involved in any of, of the squads, but Andrew Hughes for, for Preston. Um, just with Norrington Davis out, I think he could have come in and done Norrington Davis's job of covering both left centre-back and left back if needed um, and he's playing yeah you do think he probably should have gone instead of Gunter shouldn't he yeah on I, I mean, penalty yeah um, I'm surprised the lock has been selected not not necessarily a, ba- a bad thing it's just that Page didn't seem to be a fan of him um, do you I'm, think he's gone instead of Norrington Davis though because I think that yes. probably is the reason yeah probably he's 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 received the call up I don't know if he's going to be playing for, or not uh, out in Qatar I doubt it very much but um, yeah, he's he's probably benefited from uh, Norrington Davis um, being left out. Um, but I I, I I quite like Lockyer as a defender. I think he deserves his place. He definitely deserves it ahead of something like James Lawrence. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think that that's a good call by Page. Um, looking at the squad as a whole, um, I mean, there's there's not too many room to too much room to debate because we've we know that we don't have a wealth of of um of options in wales you know this is probably the most um competitive selection process that's been for um any of the major tournaments but still you know we li- we have a limited pool of professional players to pick from at the same time i'm looking at this squad and i just fear that after the world cup we may look back at it and think mm, it was a bit stale um are there just too many players in the squad who are past the sell-by date? Just players who are hanging on, really. Um, and was is there room to get a few more youngsters? Because that's the one thing that you don't see here. You don't see many kind of the youngsters that you'd want to take a punt on who haven't had much of an opportunity where you think, do you know what? They'll benefit from being involved in the squad. We had that in year 2016. We had that in year 2020 don't really have it in their squad. They're all players who've been there for quite a long time. Um, and that's slightly surprising with a 26-man squad. Um, but, but what would I, be interesting, how many, I wonder how many are in this squad that didn't go to the Euros, if you know what I mean. Because I was reading earlier, Brennan Johnson didn't go, did he? And gosh, you look at that now, it's pretty staggering. I think it's only, it's only a handful. I think it's only, I mean, single digits, definitely. I mean, the, the vast majority of this squad um, was was out at the Euros as well. Um, Brennan Johnson, by the way, I I thought at the time it was it was a really strange decision not to take him out to out, out, out to the Euros. And um, you know that he's the kind of player that could have really benefited from that experience. He could have you know developed a lot in that time. And I'm just wondering for missing out on uh, a few players in that sense. I think Ollie Cooper would have been a good example of that. A player who hasn't been involved. 
but could really benefit. Because I th- if you look at the average age of this squad and if you look at the amount of players there who are in their 30s, you've got to imagine after this World Cup, a lot of these players won't get selected for any further squads. This is going to be the last selection for quite a lot of these players. And so the next phase is going to be quite a transitional one. Well, you say that then. So do you think that like Joe Allen, Gareth Bale, Aaron Ramsey, do you think this is it for them? Uh, Bale and Ramsey, I'd be surprised if they carry on after this. This, this is sure. I, I actually think they will. I think they'll go to the next Euros. I don't think they'll go to the next World Cup. But I think with it being only 18 months until the next Euros, I fully expect them to carry on. I'd be surprised with that. I mean, Alan, he hasn't had the kind of injury record that Ramsey and Bale have had. But it, it just feels to me like by now, Ramsey and Bale are just clinging on for the sake of playing international football. And once the World Cup is gone, is the same incentive there. I mean, they've done absolutely everything. But, well, Bale did say, didn't he, that he wasn't ruling out the next World Cup. So, honestly, I, I do think that they will they will both go to the next Euros, I think, because it isn't that far off. Um, I think after that, it's very unlikely they'll carry on. I just thought, I think the three of them may well go at the same time, yeah. which will be tough then. But I honestly, I, I think the fact that the World Cup is like later in the year, I think that almost does make me think, well, no one's going to retire like from football mid-season, for example. I, I do just think they will attempt another Euro. So I, I'd be surprised if they didn't. Yeah, well, possibly. I mean, it, like you said, it, it's not as far away as um, you'd usually have um, at the next major tournament after a World Cup. But I don't know, just looking at the way they've kind of trudged into this tournament, um, both Peel and Ramsey, you know, just getting enough minutes to keep themselves fresh, but not really contributing that much to their team. Um, you know, Bale, I know, scored a big goal for um, LA over the weekend. It's, um, yeah, I I don't know. I I think the time has probably come for them to hang up their boots um, from a personal level. I just don't, I, I'm just not sure how much personal incentive there is, but we'll see, I guess. But um yeah, it's, uh, I, I guess it's a squad of very few surprises, but a couple of questionable picks at the, at the same time, I would say. Let's finish off by looking ahead to the Huddersfield match at the weekend, Steve. Uh, our last game for four weeks uh, now. We will not be back until mid-December. How important is it that we do finish this period with a good result, especially considering the disappointing nature of recent results? Well, it'd certainly be nice to to get a win on the board, wouldn't it? After you know, obviously we're four without a win now. I mean, is it vital? Probably not. I mean, there's a lot of games left, isn't there? But I think this one would be frustrating now. If you go five without a win, it would feel like a big setback after going having seven wins in nine. And obviously, we are playing what does look like the worst team in the division. Obviously, they've struggled so far this season. They've uh, the new manager didn't last long. They've got someone else in there now. Um, and obviously, to be fair, they did have a good win though this week at QPR. So maybe they'll be going into it with a little bit more confidence. But I mean, obviously, we're talking about a team here that were one game away from the Premier League, and they they've really struggled this season, haven't they? So you know, we need to go there and hurt them, really, don't we? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, Huddersfield this season they've they've not been great. Um, I think there's quite a bit of industry in the team, but but very little else you know they're, they're very low on quality I think they're a team who 
overperformed last season when you compare their performances to their results. I think they were very well organised under Carlos Corbran and really did well from set pieces. Um, and that just got them across the line in the playoffs. Um, had a bit of luck in the playoff semi-final that they were playing against an injury-ravaged Luton side. Um, don't think they would have beaten any other team in the playoff semi-finals. And then, in fairness, when they got to the playoff final, they were they were cheated, really. They, um, they came up against a really underwhelming Nottingham Forest team and... Um, VAR really shafted them in that in that final. I wonder if that had any kind of impact on it. But you know they they had a difficult summer even without the disappointment of the playoffs. They lost the manager, lost their two key, two, well two of their best players, and uh, they just haven't really reacted this season. They're now on their second manager. Um, in fairness, they got a very impressive away win at QPR in midweek. Uh, and if you haven't seen the winning goal in that game, I mean, just, you need to see it. It's a stunning, stunning piece of individual skill kind of flicks it up on the knee and then overheads it in a really looping manner from outside the box over the head of Senny Jeng. It's delightful, quite frankly, it's absolutely amazing. Um, but you look at the, their general run of results and you'd say it's not particularly impressive. Um, it's, you know, this this is a team that is down where they are for a reason. Um, as much as they work hard, the, the quality is very poor. And if we can't take advantage of this type of team, then you do struggle to see how we can stay around those playoff spots. Um, I mean, what needs to change, Steve? Because last few games, they've had a very similar feel to them. We've been conceding goals uh, in the first half, giving ourselves a mountain to climb. What needs to change to ensure that we don't fall behind the way we have in, in previous games? Well, first of all, we've got to start games better, haven't we? We've got to stop leaking goals. It's certainly given away soft goals. We, we need to keep the ball better without making individual mistakes, really. And then, you know, if we get an opportunity to score, we need to try and take it because, as you say, I mean, we've we've not taken the lead in the game now, I don't think, have we, since, uh, since that Cardiff game. So... That's the thing. If you can get an early goal, it's a completely different game, then, isn't it? But we're, we're not doing that, and then we're we're letting the opposition in, and you know we're chasing. So that's the big thing. We we've, we've got to cut out these silly errors. If we can do that, then you know we'll have a decent chance of a result. But it does feel at the moment as if we're we're incapable of doing that, unfortunately. Yeah. Are there any um, personnel changes you'd make from the Birmingham game to uh, improve our chances of winning? Uh, um, well, I think you'd have to say we talked about Perot, didn't we? He'd be out of the team. Uh, I think Oberfemi would come in. I think I don't like Soren Ola, but at the same time, I've had enough of Lata Baudier as well. So I, I don't know what, what to do in that situation. I have I, I can't take much more of Lata Baudier playing as a wing back. It just doesn't work at all. So something needs to happen there. Um, offensively, would I do much? I suppose, was it Darlin, Cabango, and Wood? I'd probably stick with that. Grimes and Fulton obviously are going to play. Then I think Acham has to keep his place, really, given how well he played. Whether he'll play as well again obviously remains a big question mark. And I think I would play Ollie Cooper with him. So, yeah, I think that's uh, that's what I'm thinking at the moment. I'm sure you'd agree on the Perot thing, at least, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, and and I would be tempted to swap him for um, for Ollie Cooper just because he's he's not going to the World Cup. He doesn't need to protect himself 
um, from injury. Let's go out there, show what you know. Wales are going to be missing out on. Go, you know, do do your best because I think he's he's done so well so far this season. I think it would be um, a really good chance for him just to show what he's made of um, before the break. Uh, and and against a team like Huddersfield, you want that energy to to try and, tr- try and trouble them, to make life difficult, to drag players out of position. So I'd like to see somebody like um, Cooper in the team. Um, I'll be honest, I haven't been impressed by Kendall in recent games. I think his performance levels have just dipped over over the last few games. So I think I, I would give him um, give him a break um, if possible. But bottom line is, you know, we're playing as the bottom team in the division. Huddersfield there for a reason. They've not been playing very well this season. I, you know, this is a good chance to to end the kind of the four match winless run that we've been on. And I just think it would be great if we could get that win to send us off um, to the World Cup on, on a positive note, keep us up around the kind of top six uh, or the chasing pack at least. And um, just, I think, raise the mood a little bit because I think there's just a bit of disgruntlement after some, some slightly disappointing results and slightly disappointing performances. Just good to get everybody back on the same page, get everybody reassured and feeling positive about the project again because... I think there has been a lot to be positive about in the first half of this season. Um, it's just the last few games, we've we've just regressed a little bit again. The levels have dropped a little bit. Let's get the levels back up again and 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 get that get that win that that will uh, make people happy again. Uh, are you going to Huddersfield, Steve? Or are you uh, saving your cash for Qatar? No, I'm saving. Initially, I wasn't going to go because you needed a negative PCR to get into Qatar, and I didn't want to take any risks with it. But um. That's been lifted now, but either way, I'm uh, I am wisely deciding to sit this out. I just hope it's not as cold as it was after last season for those that are going, because I'm telling you, that might be the coldest I've ever been at a game, and I've been to the likes of Sunderland and Blackpool when there wasn't a roof, and I can tell you it was it was really bad up there last year for whatever reason. Yeah, well, good luck to the people that are going up there. They've, they've, well, Swansea's away fans have had to do a lot of travelling in recent weeks, a heck of a lot of travelling. So I'm not sure how many people are actually going up there. But those of you who are going, please make plenty of noise, get behind the team and hopefully bring back three points. Uh, we will hopefully be back next week to look back at the Huddersfield game, but also look ahead to Wales's first World Cup since 1958. Um, by then, I'm sure the excitement will be really bubbling. And um, we can discuss everything that there is to discuss about that tournament. But until then, thank you very much for listening. (laughs) 